Amen. You know, I could have used that about 4.45 a.m. this morning <laughs> when I was waking up to face the day. And actually, y'all just gave me an idea. Get one of you. Yeah, uh-oh. Get, get a CD of the worship service and put that to go off with the, as your alarm in the morning. Can you imagine hearing those words as the first words of the day? Because chances are we're going to go into the day and someone, somewhere, is going to give us that look that says you're not good enough or they're going to outright say it. And we need to hear that kind of powerful message. God means it for our good. Shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not bad for 9 a.m. Let's do it with a little bit of warning. Shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Welcome to Resurrection Pentecost Metropolitan Community (laughs) Church. All right. A couple was celebrating their 10th anniversary. And for our purposes, let's just call them Mabel and Laverne. Now, for their 10th anniversary, they have saved up their money. They have bypassed all the cells at Macy's, and they have bought tickets for a cruise. In fact, they have splurged, and it's a 10-day cruise. And they are so excited. Laverne has all her red outfits. She's looking good. She's got her red lipstick. And they just can't wait for the cruise to start. They've tried to budget as best they can. But they realize just before the cruise that they've not saved up enough money for the meals. So they go to Target and they load up on cracker packs and beef jerky power bars, and they get on their cruise. And it's beautiful. They set off. The weather's perfect. The scenery's amazing. The entertainment is glorious. And they're having a great time. However, they have to admit to themselves that that it does hurt them a little bit seeing everybody else going to all those wonderful meals. Now, they're embarrassed to admit that they can't quite afford the meals, and so they go into their cabin and they've splurged and they have a cabin with a balcony so they can look out. And they try to make it as romantic as possible. They set out on their balcony and they have their peanuts. And they have their beef jerky. Now, the first night that's okay. But the longer the cruise goes on, the more tired they become of the cracker packs. And the beef jerky. And the nuts. And they find themselves coveting those delicious meals more and more. They start to get towards the end of the 10-day cruise. And Mabel says to Laverne, you know something? This really has been a wonderful time. But maybe we really should kind of just splurge at the end. We can put it on our card and, and have a nice meal to end the cruise. They think, maybe we really can't afford it. Maybe we shouldn't do that. And they were too embarrassed to ask about the prices of the meals. But finally they saw someone who they thought, you know, would, would, would handle the question okay, that they could talk to. And they walked up and they said, have you been eating the meals on this cruise? And she said, oh yeah, they've just been delicious. Just wonderful. Well, how much does one of those meals cost? And the passenger looked at Mabel and Laverne with total disbelief and shock. Didn't you know? 
all the meals were included in the price of the ticket. <laughs> it was all there. Delicious lobster and steak. Fabulous desserts. Everything you could imagine at any time of day or night. It was all there. Food delicious enough to match the scenery. And they'd been eating peanuts and power bars and jerky and cracker packs. Hmm. Any of us that have ever been there? Any of us ever done that? Well, they were going in the right direction. They were on the cruise. They had a lot of what they were expecting, but not quite all of it. There was more. And that's exactly what happens in today's scripture from Acts 19. The people of Ephesus. Now, they weren't on a cruise, but they were on a journey. It was a journey of faith. And Paul, in his travels, comes to the church at Ephesus. And he sees a group of people who truly had their hearts in the right place. They were some of the earlier followers of Christ. And they were excited about their faith. They were excited to be on this journey of faith. They were focused on it. But very early on, Paul could tell that despite their best intentions, they didn't have all the information for their journey to be a journey of fullness. In a sense, they were eating beef jerky when a lot more was available. And, and early in the scripture, if you, if you look there, you'll see that very early on, Paul asks them what appears to be a very audacious question. He says, have you received the Holy Spirit? And their answer was very similar to the answer that Mabel and Laverne gave. We didn't know there was a Holy Spirit. We didn't know what all was included. And at that point, Paul leads them to a deeper and more abundant place. Your scripture describes how he baptized them in the name of Jesus. And then from that place, how he anointed them, laid hands on them, and how they then begin to receive the fullness. They got all that went along with the journey. And scripture describes what happened to them. They truly enjoyed that fullness. And it wasn't just about them. It was about all of us. When they received the fullness, Scripture describes how they began to speak in other tongues. How we would describe that as saying they had a new power to communicate. They were given a new language. A language of fullness and abundance and life. A language that could break through walls. It wasn't just about them. It was about all of us. Through Paul's witness, through their baptism, through the Holy Spirit, they made it clear that the message of their faith was no longer just dial-up. It was high-speed internet. 
<laughs> and it went to brand new places. It brought Jews and Greeks together. It brought rich and poor together. It wasn't just about them. It was about everybody. It was moving out. It was no longer rotary dial, but cell phone. <laughs> it was faith that was able to move in powerful ways. The other thing that Scripture says happened when they received the fullness is that not only could they communicate in ways that would break through barriers and expand their faith and open everything up, it says they all became prophets. In the Christian scriptures, what happens when one becomes a prophet is that one is able to speak of the mighty works and the acts of God in powerful, transformative, and life-changing ways. It's not about foretelling the future, like we sometimes understand prophets to be. It was speaking the truth about God. And it wasn't just confined to a few of them. This gift of communication and this gift of becoming prophets was a gift for all in that community. Which leads us to another question. If it was true for them, could it be true for us? Is it possible that just as Paul looked into that early community and saw a group of people who were on the right track but living below their full possibility, is, is it possible that that's also true for us? Our hearts are in the right place. We have a wonderful vision as a congregation. We're doing a lot of new things to communicate in new ways. We're finding ways to organize a little better to help us motivate and encourage and mobilize our actions together. But is it possible that just like Mabel and Laverne didn't know everything, and just like those early Christ followers didn't know everything, there's some stuff we don't know. Like how to really open ourselves to all that God holds. How to move beyond all fear and all division. How to look at the waters of baptism. And allow those waters to wash away our fear. To allow those waters to wash away everything that holds us back from using our gifts. Allow the waters of baptism to wash away the things that people may say about us. That when someone says, you're not good enough, we say, yes we are because we have been baptized in the name of Jesus. And we have been touched by the Spirit. And we've heard that voice from heaven that Jesus heard on his baptism day that said, you are my child, the beloved, and with you I am well pleased. That's how it's written in your scripture. But another way to look at it is this. You are my beloved, and you are the pride of my life. Pause for a moment and just hear those words. You are the pride of my life. When is the last time someone's looked you in the eye and said, you are the pride of my life? Well, that's what those people in Ephesus heard. And that's what Jesus heard. And that's what we're hearing today. What we may not know is how much abundance is really open to all of us if we truly live beyond our fears. 
What we may not know is that our baptism is deeper than maybe we have previously assumed. And our message is wider than maybe we've previously conceived. So the message coming through to us today is our baptism really is about all of us. Which means that the prophets are not just those of us wearing these stoles. It means that each one of you, as Christ followers in this place, are called to be prophets. What that means is simply speaking of the acts of God everywhere you go. It means unbinding the gospel in your own heart. It means speaking the truth of God's abundance in your own life. Going back to that simple story, what if someone had simply said to Mabel and Laverne, oh, the food's wonderful. (laughs) It's delicious. Do you want some? It's all there for you. All you have to do is receive it. We live in a community from, from where a spiritual standpoint, lots of people are eating beef jerky and cracker packs. And many of them see all churches as a place that offer cracker pack Christianity. (laughs) They think there's nothing there for them. And they think that what's offered in churches is as dry as peanuts. The reality is that churches do not have to be dull, boring, lifeless, and stuck. Churches can move and be free and can live the fullness and the abundance. Paul said, have you received the Holy Spirit? They said, we've not even heard of that. So many people have this concept that church is nothing but a place full of hypocrites. They don't realize that, yeah, we may be hypocrites because we're not perfect. But we're opening ourselves to new transformation. When we blow it, we admit it. And we grow from it. It's about all of us opening our hearts wide and our doors and moving forward as prophets. And it really is for everybody. Oh, baptism, it can be the most pivotal, life-changing moment. And uh, for one person named Michael Slack, a scholar and a prophet and a teacher, baptism took on a brand new meaning when Michael moved from female to male as a transgender person. Think for a moment back to your baptism. What did it mean to you? And hear Michael's testimony. The day of my baptism was without a doubt the most remarkable moment of my life. It was the most remarkable moment of my life precisely because it removed a veil of uncertainty and darkness from my heart, mind, and spirit to reveal to the community and myself God's deepest knowing of and love of me. And being baptized as Michael held particular significance because it represented God's hand in my transition and transformation.
I recall looking up to the heavens, thanking God for my trans identity and all the ways God has laid a path of support before me. And I remember feeling a distinct coolness come over me as though the living water of the Holy Spirit has been poured on my whole being. Whoever God has called us to be, baptism invites us to live that whoever from the inside out. And it's about all of us. It's open to all of us. It's that invitation to the deep, deep waters. Poet Langston Hughes described it this way. I've known rivers, ancient dusky rivers, and my soul has grown deep like the rivers. Oh, there's more. It's all there for us. It's flowing, it's alive, it's fresh, it's free, it's deep. It's deep, and it's wide, and it's full. And today, let us remember our baptism and the ancient yet deep life to which we are called. There's more. Let's receive it. It's about all of us. Amen.